Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jen Amos. And today I have with me the dynamic duo at Inscription Capital. We have Juan Carlos Herrera, also known as JC for short, who is the managing director, as well as Julio Cacho, who is the chief investment officer at Inscription Capital. Uh, Juan and Julio, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Julio, I, I want to start with you. Uh, it's a new year. How's the new, how's the new year treating you so far? So far, very good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, JC, how about you? How's the new year treating you so far? Uh, so far, so good. Other than the fact that um, just a little bit under the weather today, but you know, it's been a good, good start to the year. So I uh, can't complain. Uh, I think we're all, we're all happy to have 2020 in the rear view mirror. So uh, <laughs> right, now that right. everyone can get vaccinated and put this virus behind us. So it's <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I know that uh, you, JC, you got uh, your second vaccine. And so just want to say kudos to you. I know that a bunch of people are trying to jump on that. <laughs> and I'm yeah. kind of like, I'm going to wait till like everyone has it. And and then if I have to have it, I'll have it. That's kind of my attitude right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's been an interesting morning to say the least with this, but We'll see how it goes. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, for both of you guys, I just want to explain explain this briefly because I know we really want to get into the meat of our conversation today. So just a little bit about your company with Inscription Capital. I know that you are a um, registered investment advisory fir- firm. Yeah registered investment advisory firm based in Houston, Texas, and you provide a uh, Uh, private wealth management, financial and estate planning services, and family office services to affluent families, institutions, and nonprofit organizations. Um, So that's a little brief, you know, kind of like what's on the paper, what you do uh, for work. But let me know, what do you enjoy the most about what you do? And Julio, I want to start with you. Um, What I enjoy the most, um, educate people. Mm -hmm. Um, I consider myself uh, an educator. So um, I think that's the part was like sharing uh, my experience, uh, what I have learned, uh, the facts. So mm-hmm. that part I think enjoy the most. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And JC, what about you? I think it's doing, you know, the the the, the way we invest and the way we we got to this company and created it and 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 um and and, and built it. You know, um, it, mainly it's like Julio said, educating, but really helping people find out what is the right way for most of them to invest their hard-earned money. Um, there's yeah, a lot of yeah. opinions out there, and there is actually is a science to this. So um, it's really helping them see the light of, of 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 what it is to help accomplish their goals in the long run. Yeah, no, I hear you. So I hear from both of you, education is really important, but also the right education, you know, the kind of education that makes them feel confident in regards to, you know, their personal finance. Uh, So I appreciate you both sharing that. So let's just go ahead and dive into it. Um, You know, as we know, at least when it comes to the financial industry, just like what you said, JC, there are many school of thoughts to approaching finance um, and personal finance. But one thing that I'm hearing for the first time from you both is that there's actually a science in investing. I've never heard anyone say that. And I'm pretty sure this has a lot to do with um, you having a PhD. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about what it means um, to actually to actually have a formula or have this science of investing to um, you know have a higher chance of being successful in investing. Yeah. So, um, I think the, the the approach that we use is uh, is basically using the scientific method, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I mean, we know that a scientific method can be applied to any field. One of those fields could be investing or finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of uh, investing based on anecdotes or or, or part particular, um, I will say, uh, experiences, mm-hmm. there is actually uh, a way to see um, what the facts say about the best way to invest. So that's basically what we do. We follow the scientific method, uh, and we are not the only ones following this. I mean, many people in the academia mm-hmm. are using this method to understand um, the behavior of people and also uh, the dynamics of the of of, of invest of investments. Yeah. So um, so that's that that's really what we are doing, right? I mean, it's that's that that's the main uh, the main thing we, we we are we are doing applying the scientific method to investing. Yeah. So uh, Julio, when you received your PhD from Princeton University, did you think that you would be applying the scientific method to finance, um, or did you kind of figure that figure that out later um, when you got into finance? So, I mean, when I was doing the PhD, of course, I was applying actually there the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, I, when, while I was studying, I never told myself like using exactly the, the scientific method to help people mm-hmm. in how to invest. That came later. Later, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was studying, it was really, really for me to understand uh, what the science says about investing. Um, what people have, what researchers have found about the optimal way to invest, uh, but then helping people came later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How did you uh, come across? Uh, how did you get into investing and, and sort of knew like, okay, this is what needs to be applied in investing that most financial advisors aren't applying, which in this case, of course, is the scientific method. Um, so, to my surprise, and when I started being a financial advisor, I noticed that not many financial advisors actually apply the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Not many. I, I think I will say most financial advisors do not apply it. Uh, so that was actually a surprise for me. Um, mm. So then um, Juan Carlos and I uh, saw an opportunity to actually help people, but now using facts, right? Now using the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's how... That's, now, uh, yeah. And I'll elaborate on a little bit on that because mm-hmm. when I met Julio, I was not applying the scientific method and I had been in <laughs> investing for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And really what he showed me was that it's kind of investing is kind of like dieting where the formula is there, mm-hmm. like right in front of our eyes. Like if you want to lose weight, you just exercise more and eat healthier. It's, there, you don't need to buy like a thousand different diet books, right? right? <laughs> yeah. The problem with dieting though, is that we have all these temptations all mm. around us all the time, right? Mm. Social temptations and drinking and socializing in restaurants and you yeah. know the cooking and whatever. That's the hard part, psychological. Investing is kind of the same. Once you see what the facts are and what the proper way to invest is, everyone is kind of like, oh, wow, that's that's always been like, I, I've heard of this and it's always been um, thought of. 
<laughs> but uh, the temptations again on investing is what get, get us, right? It's the buddy that has a cool deal that you should invest in or the new home or yeah. this real estate project or this new stock that's going up a lot. And so it's always bombarding us that causes us to deviate from what is the simple way, like the, not, I wouldn't say simple, but the, the straightforward way of doing it. Yeah, and, and, and the concept really is very simple. It is uh, the facts are are very proven that in the long run, most investors will not outperform the market. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you should try to replicate the markets and pay as low fees as as possible. That's the gist mm-hmm. of it. That's the gist of the whole findings. Right, right. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that. As simple as it is, I think very often um, when we get into a certain industry or we get into a certain specialty, what it comes down to is the bare basics. Like it's the basics that really um, can make you successful. And it sounds to me the sim- simple formula that you um, have discovered um, is is like a lot of people may not see it just because once they decide to get into investing, like you mentioned, JC, like they start to see all these shiny objects or all these different ways <laughs> to do it. And it could really um, deter you from actually um, investing in a way that could, you know, that actually serves you. Yeah. I mean, like we all want to make money, right? And so mm-hmm. we all want to make it as quickly as possible. And so it's mm-hmm. very tempting to see all these get rich uh, quick schemes in, you know, advertising on the, on your YouTube feeds or, um, a podcast that's saying that, you know, everyone's how, how, you know, this fear of missing out because everyone's making all this money in say Bitcoin or GameStop or whatever Tesla yeah. is a new trend, right? <laughs> right the right. problem is, is that what ends up happening is think something will start going up mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden um, people will jump into that. And history has shown us time and time again, most of the time that doesn't play out well for everyone at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is, is that if people can st- take a step back and realize that when you're investing, it's a competition, right? It's a competition. You're, you're actually going up against, it's probably the most competitive game out there because mm-hmm. you're playing against millions and millions and millions of people throughout the world that um, not everyone's going to win, right? And so it's a competition where uh, information is very important. And if you think that because you walked into an Apple store or saw something that caught your attention about XYZ company, that mm-hmm. that company is going to do very well in the future. You just need to be ask yourself, um, am I the first one thinking this or mm-hmm. has everyone, or is the price already built into that reflecting mm-hmm. it? Right. Is there, is there, it's, which, you know, which is more likely the case because everyone, you know, um, has been studying these things and, and the markets are relatively efficient. So that's the hard part, right? Is that people don't realize that this is a very competitive game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They think that they think once they start hearing about it, that no one else is thinking about it. So they think they're into it thinking that no one else, like there is no competition, but really there's more people trying to invest than you <laughs> can imagine. Right. Um, so with your firm or with what you both do, give me um, a case study. Give me an example of, you know, a client uh, walking through your doors and you walking through the scientific method and maybe along the way they're like, wow, I didn't even realize like that I could have taken this approach and how much more effective it is. So either one of you can, who, I don't know, either one of you can go, which, whichever feels compelling. Julio, take a stab at this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, <clears throat> the, so before answering that part of the question, let me just emphasize something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Juan Carlos was saying about the facts, so which is that most uh, people do not outperform the market in the long run. Mm-hmm. That also applies to experts, okay? Not, not only the general population. It's all, mainly the experts. I mean, 
And that fact is surprising, actually. It's not something that is evident. Mm -hmm. So the data, because could have been the opposite, actually. Could have been that, yes, I mean, the experts outperform the market. But that's not the case. The, the facts tells us that um, most experts do not outperform the market. And the ones that outperform, uh, it's undistinguishable from luck. So you mm. cannot say if it was luck or not. So those are kind of the facts. So that's what we tell our clients, right? Mm -hmm. First, mm -hmm. learn the facts first. Look the data, what the data tells us, okay? And the data... At what it tells us is exactly this, that most people will not outperform, not even experts, the market in the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, so what that means is that if you try to outperform the market, you probably are going to end up worse than the market. Mm. Therefore, the best thing to do, given that, is try to replicate the market, as Juan Carlos was saying, in the lowest cost Paying the lowest cost possible, cost possible. So that's what we tell our clients. Diversify as much as you can. Replicate all the markets in the world. When, when we say replicate all the markets, we say the bond market, the equity market, the commodity market. Okay, replicate all of them. And that's it. That's what, with that a way of investing, you are going to outperform risk-adjusted most strategies in yeah. the long run. Actually, Fama uh, estimates, so Eugene Fama, no, uh, Nobel Prize winner in economics, in mm. one of his papers in 2010, he estimated that 97%, 97% of the experts do not outperform the market in the long run. Mm -hmm. So that's what we try to communicate our clients with data, not anecdotes, mm -hmm. data. And then there are theories that help us understand why this happens, right? Why this is the case. Uh, so, and one of the theories is uh, the efficient mar uh, market hypothesis, okay? So we know that the market is not perfectly efficient. We already know that it's not perfectly efficient. However, it's efficient enough such that most people are not going to be able to outperform it. Mm. That's, that's what is key. So for our clients, what we tell them is you have to focus on two things. Focus on two things. One is your risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. How much risk you are willing to take? Because given the risk that you take is going to be your expected return. And second, replicate the market. Don't try to beat it. Risk adjusted. Don't try to beat it. Just replicate the market and find out what's your risk tolerance. And we help them identify the risk tolerance, right? We, 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 we help them uh, because sometimes people are not aware of the risk tolerance. So yeah. um, one of the main principles in finance is that the expected return and risk are related. Mm -hmm. So what that means uh, is that if you don't want to take any risk, then you should expect low returns. Now, if you want higher expected returns, then you have to take a lot of risk. There is no free lunch, mm -hmm. or it's very unlikely to find free lunch. Mm -hmm. So all these things, all the facts plus all the theories point out that it's better for anybody 
to replicate the market, even for experts, even for experts, than try to beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, um, that was, I, I was definitely processing everything you're saying. First of all, just t- focusing on the facts, you know, seeing what's there. Um, and also being able to um, understand just historically, <laughs> statistically, most people won't outperform the market. Therefore, you should replicate the market in the lowest cost po- with the lowest cost possible. Did I hear all that right? Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And so, yes. so help me understand. Uh, and JC, you can answer this question. Um, why don't most people do that? Why don't most people replicate the market in the lowest cost possible? Is it because it's not, I don't know, sexy enough or not exciting enough? Like, let, let me yeah, hear your like, thoughts on that. That goes back to my whole dieting thing, right? Mm-hmm. That is precisely because it is not the sexy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It is very boring. <laughs> there is no need to change your portfolio every time your broker calls that the stock market's selling off or the stock market's going up a lot or the bond market's going up a lot or, or XYZ company is doing great. Yeah. So it is boring, right? And a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people, look, at, at the end of the day, we're driven by human beings who love stories. Mm-hmm. So a good story will always beat like usually numbers for most people, right? If I told you, hey, invest in this amazing new company, they're going to launch rocket ships to Mars and they're going to be, you know, going to be with these amazing people. That's a better story than, hey, just put your money in the, you know, global world stock market index fund that's going to, you know, grow at around eight to 9% a year and you'll be fine in 20 years, right? It's yeah. not exciting. Right. <laughs> so right. I, I like, understand. and that's too long. 20 years is too long. You know? Exactly. But, but, but that's what people need to understand that 20 years might be too long, but you can invest like Julia was saying, according to your risk tolerance, right? Mm-hmm. You can find ways to make 20, 30% returns. If that's what you want, you have yeah. to understand that if you're wanting to make 20 or 30% returns, that there is a lot of risk there right? Yeah. It, there's, no, there's no such thing as a 20% return investment with no risk. That is either a Ponzi scheme fraud or the person telling you that doesn't know the risks themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So just beware. Like that's what Asulio is going back to. Risk and reward are two sides of the same coin. So always ask yourself, if an investment's paying me a lot of money, you, mm-hmm. are, you, are, you might not be aware of the risk you're taking, but trust me, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the, as soon as people start to understand that con that simple concept, right. Um, I think a lot of the, you know, guarantee high returning investments, um, will have more trouble raising money than, and, and taking people for rides like they, like they have in the past time and time again. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, something I learned back then that, you know, success looks really mundane and boring. <laughs> It's not, it's nothing dramatic. It's nothing. Here's here's an interesting stat. Warren Buffett is worth about $85 billion today. Mm -hmm. Okay. Out of that $85 billion, 84 billion was made after his 50th birthday. And so, so what, what you need to understand is the compounding of interest is the magic here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Warren Buffett has been compounding wealth for 70 years, 60 years. So if you get an interest rate, I mean, a compounding interest rate calculator on Google and just plug in there 10, 15, 20% returns over 50 years, more than likely you also be a billionaire, right? And, yeah. it, it, and it's exponential growth. And that's what people sometimes have a hard time seeing that, yeah, 20 years is too long to wait. I'm like, well, if you don't have to put a lot of money away for, the, for that to compound over 20 years and then have it there waiting for you for when you, you know, want to maybe retire or do something else in your life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And if statistically you're probably going to live for another 20 years, you might as well, you know, do something, you know, that can last that long. (laughs) That's actually becoming a bigger problem because we're living longer and a lot of people running out of their money in retirement. So this is, this is, and and, and you know what, because I know your show is called the thoughtful entrepreneur. And so entrepreneurs have a hard time with this Mm -hmm. because if you think about what it means to be an entrepreneur, they're risk takers. They love taking risks. Right. right? They're in it to see how much money they can make as quickly as possible. And they, they are, they're accustomed to risk. But the moment they sell their businesses or have a liquidity event and they have all this money and then they, they don't want to try to invest it, diversify from the risks that they were taking, they end up repeating some of these same risks over and over and over again. And a lot of it is because, because the ones that had these selling events were either lucky or were skillful that they had these selling events. Mm-hmm. They, think that, they all think that they was their skill. And they all think that they can repeat that skill over and over and over again. And what most of them find out is that, no, it's very hard to repeat that over and over again. And so there's a lot of these behavioral biases, especially for entrepreneurs to do things like this, because again, it's not sexy. They're used to hearing stories of investing. They're used to hearing all these creative ideas of, you know, uh, and, and analyzing markets here and there, and let's go do this, this and that. And at the end, I think a lot of people when you're an entrepreneur and you're building your own business, you're so tied up into your own world that you realize that that's also a competition, right? You have all these other people yeah. around that are also competing against you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that you, um, uh, geared it toward our audience in a sense, considering how a lot of our listeners are small business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, Julio, anything else you want to add, uh, in regards to our listenership here, um, who are small business owners and entrepreneurs? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> As Juan Carlos was saying, I think an entrepreneur uh, has two main characteristics. Um, one is uh, they are optimistic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they uh, they are positive about life. They most of them are happy. They enjoy life, so they're optimistic. On the other hand, as Juan Carlos was saying, they are also risk takers, right? I mean, they can to- tolerate risk. Mm-hmm. So. Um, uh, what what I will suggest them is also to look at the facts in their space, right? For example, this, these are just facts using data from the U.S. government. What we know is that 70% of entrepreneurs that they start a business within 10 years, the business fail, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 70%, 70. So it's, there's only like a just by looking the, the global data, there's only like 30% probability of, of a business that is not going to fail within, uh, within 10 years, right? When, when it starts. So, and some entrepreneurs believe that they are inside this 30% or most of the entrepreneurs. Right. <laughs> but that's kind of a contradiction. That mm-hmm. has to do with, uh, with um, being over-optimistic. Mm-hmm. Now, an entrepreneur can do something else based on the philosophy that we are saying. What an entrepreneur can do, if you're risk tolerant and you're optimistic, then you can still get super high returns. But the way to do it is diversify very well across all the assets and use leverage. That's something they can do. Uh, they're already used to to, 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 to leverage because many entrepreneurs, they borrow money, right? Yeah. So they're already used to that. So do the same thing, but diversify very well. With that, you have higher probabilities 
of, su of success on one hand, and on the other hand, of higher returns. Because the key point to get higher returns are two. One, diversification, risk tolerance, and leverage. Hmm. And entrepreneurs are already familiar with those, with those three. So I think they can take advantage of looking at the scientific method. Definitely. Fantastic. Wow. Uh, you both are a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> and I, I think that you have shared a lot of thought-provoking uh, financial education today. So I want to thank you both again so much for your time for being here. Um, JC, any other final thoughts from you? No, I think, you know, just to, I'll just end it with, you know, what Julia was saying about, you know, the, the entrepreneurs wanting to take more risk, you know, that that's totally true. And I think we see that a lot with our clients. I would end it with, you know, maybe some piece of advice that, um, another thing that I've noticed a lot is the concept of their psychological reactions to private investments versus public investments. An entrepreneur in his own company doesn't see the price of his company move up and down every day. Mm -hmm. The moment that they start doing investments that do, that they can see the price going up and down every day, their, psycholo their psychologies totally are totally different, right? You wouldn't tell an entrepreneur, hey, are you going to sell your company today because someone offered you, you know, $10 for it when they think it's worth $100? Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to tell you, no, I'm not going to sell it. And they're, and they're fine. They're at ease with it. But if they all of a sudden they bought Apple for $100 and that's worth $10, they panic, Right. And, and it's, and it's, so it's, it's, it's again, yeah. just, so it's again, just know that if you're an owner of equity in your company, it's the same of being an owner of equity in a public company, you own equity, whether it's private or public, there comes a psychological like component to it. But at the end, if, if everyone can take a step back and say, what am I actually owning here? I'm owning equity in a company. Okay. Mm -hmm. How much? Right. And, and that's who cares if it's private or public. It's the instrument of equity and it's the instrument, or you could also own a bond right? debt, right? You own, you own, someone owes you money now, right? And you're yeah. collecting interest from that. And that could be also in a public market in the form of a bond, or it can be in a private market. Um, so again, it's just taking that step back and noting and noticing more about being aware of the instruments that you're holding and not necessarily if they're public or private. <clears throat> Fantastic. Wow. Well, JC and Julio, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation again. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you again so much for being here on The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. Thank you so Thank you much. So much. Thank you. Yeah. And again, to our listeners, this is Juan Carlos Herrera, also known as JC for short, and Julio Cacho at Inscription Capital. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence each month. We scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. 
your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.